This Coach Me Up podcast is powered by our friends at One Country. Every month, One Country members are entered into amazing giveaways that do great stuff. Each giveaway gives back to a great cause because One Country believes that when you get, you give. Visit onecountry.com slash coach to become a member and get your first month free. Again, go to onecountry.com slash coach and experience winning that gives back. Also, our friends at Blue Delta Jeans. They make the best fitting, most comfortable jeans in the world because they are uniquely made for you and only you. Raw denim jeans, custom fit and hand tailored in Tupelo, Mississippi. One size fits one at bluedeltajeans.com. And by Connexial, the live supply chain company connecting one to all through superb technology and solutions to drive life. Fleet owners and logistics professionals trust Connexial to coach up their drivers, improving safety, cost, and compliance. Visit Connexial.com slash coach for more information. Coach Me Up podcast. Man, it is the month of... April, bearing down on May already, and the Final Four is behind us. National champion's been crowned in basketball. Baseball's now heating up, and we, our guest uh, this week is Jerome Tang, the head basketball coach at Kansas State University. In his first year, National Coach of the Year, Chris Burt, the Naismith National Coach of the Year. Uh, they lost in the Elite Eight to Florida Atlantic in a, just a, one of the classic games of the tournament, but he is the real deal, man. I've been on Bible studies with him online. And God has really blessed him in his first year. And uh, uh, I know that uh, our listeners have learned a lot. We're going to learn a lot today from this guy, right? Oh, I cannot wait to hear from Coach Tang. Uh, I cannot wait to ask him questions about Marquise Noel. And I cannot wait to hear about the crazy journey that he had to, to getting his first coaching job. So let's, let's dive in with Jerome Tang from Kansas State. Jerome Tang, you have been on our list for a long time, but but having some patience, knowing that as a first-year head coach, you don't have time for anything but to pour yourself into ball and spend time with your family. But now that the season's over, uh, we're so blessed and fortunate to have you. And man, what a what a season you had for a program that first year at Kansas State, you were picked tenth uh, in the Big Twelve. But people have to understand. There's only 10 teams in the Big 12. You were picked last, <laughs> and there you go and make it uh, an Elite Eight run and uh, the Naismith National Coach of the Year. And, man, God has been so good to you, uh, not just because of this season's success, but all your life, it seems like, that since I've been around you, I've known you, uh, God has taken care of you. So, man, thank you for your time. And uh, I, I just want to I, I I jump right into – uh, just a quick recap of your team and how you built that culture, some key phrases you use. I've heard the word crazy faith a lot of times come from you. Just tell us kind of your thoughts looking back on this last nine, I guess, 11, 12 months now, please. Yeah, no, it really, uh, well, first of all, thank you guys for having me on. And I've I've been a fan of the podcast and it's it's blessed my life Uh as, as a man uh, wanting to grow in my faith. And so appreciate what you guys are doing, uh, not just, uh, you know, for coaches and the kingdom, but to, it also grows the game the right way. And and I just believe that there are a lot of men out there in this game that are gaining boldness because of what you guys are doing uh, to, to speak uh, the, the word and unashamedly and, and love and coach differently. And because you, you can win by loving people, you can do that. And you don't have to, yeah, you don't have to uh, lord over guys. Um, we can come alongside 
our young men and, and love them to victory and both on and off the court. And so I really appreciate what you guys are doing. And, uh, you know, I, yesterday was our first individual for this upcoming, for the next season. And we had six guys in the gym and we quickly made me remember last year at this time when we walked in, there were only two guys in the gym. And, but knowing that if we were patient and we got the right people, right? You just couldn't take the wrong ones that we could have a successful year. And what that looked like, we, we weren't sure. But, you know, as a staff, we didn't have any other goal than we were going to get to the NCAA tournament. We felt we could do that. And just to be faithful and, um, you know, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. We pray before every staff meeting uh, that God would send us the ones that he wants us to have and close the doors on he wants, those he wants to close the door on. And, man, there was a lot of times I thought we needed a certain guy, and, and God closed the door. And you have to say, okay, God, well, I know you have somebody better for us. And, you know, it's easy in hindsight to look back and say, man, yes, he does. During those times, there was struggle. There was a struggle with faith. And But uh, my pastor in Waco, he had preached a, a message, and he talked. He, his his statement was that what people call crazy one day, they will call faith another, and it was crazy faith. I remember writing it down in my little journal, and below that, I started listing all the things that I wanted to see God do for me in my career, and uh, you know, with that crazy faith. And I remember telling our guys that when I got the job, we went on our tr retreat early in the year. Once we had. I think we had 11 guys on campus at the time, but or maybe 12, and we went on a retreat. Actually, you know what, Jimmy? It was We went on a retreat the day that Desi Seals showed up to campus, so we had everybody okay. there. Yeah. And I remember that, 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 that devotion that morning. I, I opened the book, and uh, I read the quote to them about Crazy Faith and just all the things that I had asked God for, that I was going to believe God for, and how he had fulfilled them. And, and challenge them to do the same thing, you know, to write it down. And, uh, you know, the, the verse in, in Habakkuk, you know, write the vision and make it clear. And um, so it was it was really, really powerful time around the fire, out in the cold. And I felt like our guys really embraced it. And, you know, and God, God was so faithful to us and good to us this year. We're taking notes as you as you talk, Coach. Yeah. yeah. So don't yeah. get distracted you, by you, us. You, no problem. <laughs> Coach, I did a lot of digging on you for, for getting ready this morning. And I feel like there's a gap in your biography from growing up in Trinidad, moving to Texas, to when you appear as a high school basketball coach in Texas. Um, and that's probably because I just didn't look in the right places. But I would love to just hear your story in general from, from birth to the point where you, you know, took a job with Coach Drew um, uh, it, it, it sounds like a fascinating story, but I want to hear more. I'd love to hear um, some more about your upbringing. Man, it, it, yeah, it's the it's a story of God's faithfulness, man. Uh, uh, my mom's fam side of the family was all Muslims, okay? And uh, my, my father, um, on his side of the family, um, his dad died when he was really young, and he was put in a Catholic orphanage. And I don't know if you know much about Catholic orphanages on— um, you know, small islands, but um, it was a very strict upbringing for him. So as soon as he could get away from the orphanage and away from what he considered the church, he ran from it. Now, on my mom's side of the family, my aunt was the first person to get saved. 
uh, in the family. And if you know anything, uh, it, it's really not looked on highly uh, for a Muslim to switch faith. You know, just like as a Christian wouldn't feel the same way. And so especially a female. And so, but my aunt, man, she, she went to a T.L. Osborne revival in Trinidad and gave her life to Jesus. And so when my parents finally got married and they left and they went to, to the Virgin Islands um, and to pursue citizenship, I, I, was, I stayed with my aunt. And so she would take me to church. And I mean, even as far back as, I mean, I can remember at three years old, I remember learning songs and, and I still know them today from three years old that my aunt would, would sing and make me have me sing and, and stories and things I learned. And so from a very young age, I, I just felt like there was a calling in my life because of what my aunt did for me. And so, you know, we moved to the Virgin Islands. We, uh, my dad, well, for a short time, we lived in New Jersey for two years and went back to St. Croix. And then my dad worked for an oil refinery. So he moved to Texas to work in the oil refinery. A year later, we came and, uh, but I, we grew up in the church. My mom always made sure after she got saved because of my aunt, um, you know, she, we just always went to church and, um, I attended a church called Greens Bio Assemblies of God. And, uh, we hired a youth pastor there by the name of Mike. This is in Texas. This is in Texas. We're in Texas in, now. In Houston, yeah. Texas. And yeah, we, okay. we hired a youth pastor. So, so, so your parents became Christians through your aunt. My, my mom became then, a Christian. Okay. My dad, dad not your the, dad. Yeah, my not pops dad. didn't want okay. anything to do with the okay. church. He mm. was. And then how how many years passed between that and y'all moving to Texas? So I'm ten. So I, we moved to, to the Virgin Islands when I'm three, and I'm ten. Okay. When we moved okay. to, to Texas, seven years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All and, right. Uh, yeah, we're in Texas. We 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 find we find a church. Um, you know, after a year or so, a couple of years of being in Texas, we find a church, and at that church. Uh, they hired a youth pastor by the name of Mike Allard. And Brother Allard, man, Brother Mike was just the best, right? He is, he never did anything normal, guys. Like, we didn't have like a, um, a Easter egg hunt. We had the world's largest Easter egg hunt. <laughs> we, we didn't have like ice cream sundaes. It was the world's longest, like like gutters, like you put in your house. Oh yeah, lined up on tables all <laughs> through the parking lot, full of ice cream. I mean, like nothing was ever, uh, you know. And I, so I asked him one day. I would be up there. He would paint like our our room was. Our youth room was called the upper room. It was painted like Roman columns and bricks. And I mean, you know, like you'd have thought we was in the upper room with the cloven tongues like as a fire. And I mean, it was just incredible just being around him because his vision was so great. And he taught me how to dream like really, really big. Right. And I mean, I remember watching his passion and and like, I mean, he took us skiing one time as a youth group. And it didn't, it wasn't snowing. It was in, <laughs> in Colorado. It wasn't snowing. They were going to cancel the next day. They weren't going to allow us to, to ski on the second day because there wasn't enough snow. And I remember that night he prayed, God, we need you to send us snow. Lord, nothing spectacular, just the big white stuff that falls on the ground so that we, <laughs> it snowed like 12 inches of snow that night. I don't know. They wouldn't expect, you know, so I, I figured out real quick, this guy was connected to God. And when he asked God for stuff, God delivered, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and I spent as much time as humanly possible with him, right? I remember asking him one day, I said, Brother Mike, what do you do? 
And he said, uh, I'm the youth pastor. I said, no, no, no. What do you do to make money? And he said, well, I'm the youth pastor. I said, you get paid to do this? And I was like, man, that's what I want to do then. <laughs> you know? And, and so, like, he was, like, my the first guy, like, I looked at and said, man, that, that, that dude, I love his vision. I love how he approaches life. I love how he loves his wife and, you know, that kind of thing. And my mom, I got involved in a program at our church called Bible Quiz. And, you know, we would memorize books of the Bible. At one point in time, I could quote up to 16 books of the Bible. And, uh, but I like got into the word, man. It just like, I had one pastor say, get into the word till the word gets into you. And it's just, it just poured myself into it. And I, I was passionate about basketball, but I wasn't very good at it. And so my senior year in high school, my mom prayed, God, if this boy's not going to do anything with his life, with basketball, uh, let him get cut. And I got cut my senior year wow. from, from, from the basketball team. Now I, I wasn't very good. But I was very passionate about it, and I wanted to get better. And and so, but I poured myself into the the Bible quiz program that we in. We end up being really good. We went to the nationals and and all of that. But my, that foundation in the Word, linked with my passion for basketball, is what caused me one day to say, "Man, I would love to be the youth pastor at a church that had a Christian school, so I can coach the basketball team." And it was one day meeting with Brother Mike. I told him that. And two days later, Dr. Jennifer Cooper from Heritage Christian called him looking for a Christian guy to coach the basketball team. And, and God, God just put it together. Wait, so, so, okay, so let me let me recap here. That's, you covered a lot of ground there. So at 10, you moved to Texas all through, all through your youth, I assume, all through your teenage years. Um, Pastor Mike poured into you, sharpened you, gave you a real glimpse at what it looked like to walk with the Lord and Love God, love people. Is that fair? For fair, right? You got cut. You got cut your senior year in basketball. Yep. And then did you go? Did you go off to college from there? Or did you yeah. go right to coaching high school? No, I went. Uh, well, I, I, my first year, I was only seventeen when I graduated high school. So I went to San Jacinto okay. Junior College, was right by our house. Yeah, yeah. San, San Jack, Jack, good baseball yep. program. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was at the North Campus with the ba- with the baseball team. So it was okay. that one. Uh, then. Uh, <laughs> Not Coach Jernander. He wouldn't have had me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then I went to North Central Bible College because I'd gotten some scholarship through the Bible quiz program that I was in, which is okay. in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I lived in Minnesota for five years. I was at North Central. I was at Normandale Community College. I was trying to find my way. I was coaching a Bible quiz team also. So I was really invested in the church and, and coaching. And being part of the, the basketball coach, uh, uh, Dennis Myers at North Central, he asked me to try out for the basketball team. And he was the first coach that ever asked me to try out for a team, right? And I was like, wow, this is pretty cool, right? And and then we went through conditioning. And I was like, why in the world did I ever do this? And, <laughs> but he was the first coach that ever, like, showed me how to work, like work and get better. And then I started listening to my teammates talk about their high school coaches and some of their experiences. And I was like, I didn't have anything like that. And so part of it was stirring inside of me that, man, I would love to I would love to be able to have the impact on guys' lives that some of these men had as basketball coaches, had on yeah. our players, my teammates' lives. And so that was stirring. Then I started looking at videotapes. So you played did you play there? I played there. I played there for and a year. And this is at the at the Bible college? At the Bible college. I played there okay. for a year. And then I um and so I started studying Rick Pitino uh, videotape. I found a Rick Pitino tape, 
and uh, and he had all the cone drills to get better ball handling and this. And I was like, man, you can get better as a basketball player. I didn't know that. Right. And uh, there, there were drills that would help you. And I mean, I, I had the whole thing memorized. I was <laughs> like out there doing it. And so then I uh, I, I ran out of money uh, to be at North Central. So I started going to the junior college, Normandale Community College. And there the basketball coach asked me if I would come out and try out there. And so I went out for the team as a non-scholarship division to junior college in Bloomington, Minnesota. Ron Levensee was our coach. Larry Miller was our assistant coach. And um, uh, so I tried out for the team. I played some, you know, started a couple games. I kept getting better. Uh, but Coach Miller, one trip, he said to me, he said to one of the guys on the team, uh, he said, you know, Corey, you took 10 shots this game and you scored 10 points. And Corey asked him, well, is that good? And he said, yeah, that means you should have shot more. If you can score one point every time you take a shot, that's a good thing. That was my first introduction to analytics. Huh. And I didn't didn't realize that. So as a player in my head, it was like, man, if I score one point every time I shoot, it's a good thing. Yeah. And it, it stuck with me all those years ago. It stuck with me through coach. So all these guys have poured a little something into me to stir and build my passion for wanting to help guys get better. And I eventually felt like I became a pretty good basketball player. I didn't have a, one of those careers, but when I got through playing, when I got through in Minnesota and I went back to Texas, I was working at a YMCA. And the YMCA, 23 years old, 24 years old, how old are you? Yeah, I'm 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 in my mid 20s, 25. Okay. You know, okay. So somewhere around there. And so but I'm I'm working at a latchkey program with the YMCA. I'm, you know, running some of the, helping run some of the athletic stuff that's going on, doing basketball camps there. There's a lot of, I'm substitute teaching during the day, living at home, you know, feeling my way. I'm still coaching a Bible quiz team at Braisewood Assembly of God, right? And I mean, and we're really, we're really good. We're like, I mean, every year with like top five in the country going to nationals, you know, that kind of thing. I'm, I'm, I'm really learning how to motivate uh, young people to be better than they think they can be. And, but at the same time, I'm just memorizing the word of God. Like it's, it's poured into me and I'm, I'm on this mission and, but I'm still pr learning this basketball thing. And I, I coached my first little team in the YMCA and uh, man, it was so much fun. Right. Your, eight, your first basketball team. Eight you years got your old. first basketball team. Yeah, okay. They, eight they, year olds. They were Love eight it. year olds. Right. And I mean, it was so much fun coaching them. And so I, I'm really like, and I'm, be, I'm, 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 I'm a better basketball player. Like, I remember one guy stopped me one time. I asked him to play on his team. Like, I, I don't know about y'all, but I grew up where you had to get to the park early, right? And you had to hope somebody picked you if you didn't yeah. make the free throw to pick teams. Yeah, yeah. And, and I would have to sit and wait for like five ups. Man, when you got up, I, I'm fifth up, yeah. fourth up, right? And then you, that kind of thing. And and so I got became a pretty good free throw shooter because I knew if I didn't make the free throw, That's I right. wasn't going to get picked for five, right? That's right. And I remember trying to talk this guy into picking me on the team. And he said, finally, he said, all right, man, I'll, I'll pick you. And we went out, we ran the court, right? We ran for the whole day at the Y. And afterwards, <laughs> he called me over and he said, hey, man, I don't mean to insult you, but didn't you used to really suck? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And he said, what happened? And so I started telling him about like the individual workouts, the stuff I learned from Rick Pages. And he said, man, if you can get this good, anybody can get good. Right? <laughs> and I was like, no, that was the truth. But it, it, I, I always thought like, 
the people that I coached in high school and now I coach in college, they have more talent in their little pinky than I had in my entire body. And if I could get them to be as passionate about learning and growing and and have a plan for them that, I mean, they can achieve anything they want to achieve, you know, on, on the basketball side of things. So that was the thing that drove me because I could, felt I could help guys get better, you know, if they just, if they bought into it. So that was my thing. I, I did that for a while and then had the lunch with Brother Mike and Brother Mike okay, gets the so call. Okay, so now now we got to Brother Mike. Now we're at the Christian high school. Yes, now we're at the high school. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, you filled the gap in very well for us. Yeah. Very yeah, well. There, what, that, very that, well. That, by the way, that is definitely a book, and I, I hope <laughs> I hope we have one coming. Because uh, from Bible quiz coach to Sweet 16 I, or Elite 8, Elite I don't eight. know that that's <laughs> – yeah. yeah, I don't know that that's <laughs> happened too much. I just want to interrupt us for a second to remind everyone that our Coach Me Up podcast is powered by our friends at One Country. Go to onecountry.com, check out what they're doing. They have a fantastic giveaway each month, and they are phenomenal at when you get, you give. They have a huge heart for giving to others. So jump in there, become a member of their team as well. Those are my friends here in Northwest Arkansas, and this podcast isn't possible without One Country. Now let's jump forward now that we realize how you got into coaching and one of your last statements of the year, I fell in love with when I read it. I'm going to read it again. Uh, this is right after your Elite Eight loss to Florida Atlantic. You said, first of all, I just want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the midst of probably one of the toughest things that I've experienced with these guys, if we can't be grateful in these times, talking about a loss, then all the love and joy that we talk about is fraud, and we're not frauds. How did you come to that? How did you come to that realization and the action of, because I saw you after the loss, instead of being the last person off the floor with your head down, you're the first person off the floor, making sure you met every one of your players as they came off, saying, our heads are up, that's not us. I, I just, I want to I hear your thoughts on why you handle that situation the way you did, because I love it. Um, well, I have to give credit to one of the guys who was actually refereeing that game, uh, Doug really? Sermons. Yeah. Uh, we know Doug. Doug. Yeah. Yeah. Doug Doug told me one time was in one of the games, and he said, hey, Jerome, I love what you're doing and stuff. And he said, but, man, you really want to impact the world? Go dance with those students after a loss. Hmm. Right? And And— Unfortunately, at, at our gym, after the loss, they don't play the Wabash Cannonball. They just play the, the <laughs> alumni song where you wave, side, side, right? Yeah. But but I've I've after our losses, I've gone over. Our team walks around and they shake, they they dap up our fans. Thank you for being there. I, I go over and I clap for our students. You know, they're not playing the song, so I can't dance with them. But yeah. but I do thank them for being there. But people don't see that, right? The TV camera doesn't pan to that. This is after even even after a loss. This is after a loss. Okay. Yes. Right. And so, but Doug was in that ref in that game. And right after the game, when we lost and I shook hands, I was walking off. I was like, uh, it just like, you have to be the same way, right? The, the spirit was just taught. You've got to be the same dude in wins and losses. If you really want the world to, to really embrace what this is about, or all this is going to be is you celebrating wins. And and I, I wanted our guys to understand that that um, that we have to uh, right like we got to be the same people all the time, 
And wins and losses are going to come. Adversity is going to hit. But if we're the same people all the time, we're, we're, we're going to be all right because our, our foundation is not based on the results. It's based on who we are in Christ and who we are as men. Uh, I remember one time as a high school coach, we lost a game and I was walking off the court with my team and my head was down and Cynthia Cooper was at the, the table along the sideline. And she said to me as I was walking off, heads up. And I, I raised my head up and I, I just remember that that, like, that that stuck with me. Okay. And I don't know Cynthia Cooper. I knew who she was, but like, it's not like we have a relationship, but she taught me something in that moment that stayed with me. And that's what I wanted our guys to know that, man, we're going to have our heads up and we're going to, uh, uh, we're going to handle everything the, the right way. And it's okay to be disappointed, but there's a certain, uh, way that we're required as, as men to, to, to handle things. And, and if I say I'm a man of God and, and I'll, and you know, all things work together for good. You know, then in these moments is when we have to to let it show. And I don't know if y'all remember um, when the team with North Carolina and Michael uh, and Michael Jordan, Brad Doherty, those guys, they lost in the NCAA tournament. And I remember when they were running off the court. I remember the camera panned to picture, and it's it's uh, Matt Doherty running off the court, and his head was up as he was running off the court. And as a, I mean, I saw that many years ago, but it always stuck with me that he didn't run off the court with his head down. And so those are just like, there's so many little things that, that play into building that moment, you know, but I, you know, that's just the thing. I, you know, wins and losses are going to come, but you know, we, how we respond to those, how we respond to adversity is, is what defines us. Coach, I asked um, Scott Drew this question when we had him on. And I know you spent a long time with Coach Drew. What, what does it look like practically? You know, we see we we see you guys in these snapshot moments. Jimmy and I are fortunate to cover sports where we do get behind the scenes more than most to see some of what is behind the curtain. But like, what does it look like practically for you with your team as you try to point them towards? a bigger truth than what the world's trying to tell them. Hmm. Um, so like is there, is there, are you guys, is there a, a schedule? Is there a week or, or do you have a chaplain? Are you the chaplain? Like how, how does all that look? No, that's really good. Um, you know, I, we just, I, I, I had just got moved from a, a place at Baylor where I could freely share my faith. Right. And there was no pushback at all. To now at a at a, a public school where um, you 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 have to be careful how you present it, right? And, um, and nobody's got an issue with character and integrity, you know. Just and and all of our guys have different walks of faith. I've got Islamic guys on my team. I've got guys who you know they, they their faith they haven't embraced any form of faith. And then I have guys who who are, who are believers. And so uh, to me, it's about getting them to understand that. Um, it's bigger than yourself. Okay, so at Baylor, we talked about joy. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. And here we talk about win, right? And we say we want we want to win. And, and we talk about your why, and then we talk about your inner circle, okay? And then, then we get to the numbers, right? Like what's, in, what's important to you on the basketball side of things. 
And so that that's that's how we build it. Your why. For some people, it's their their family, right? For some people, you know, it's grandma, grandma, uh, grandpa, you know, mom, aunt, somebody that that was important to them. Their why, what they do. For me, my why is my faith. Okay, and so for everyone, your why is different. And then the inner circle. Who are the people inside of that? Our team, our coaches. You know, now now we build up our team, our coaches. That's who. So you your why first. Your, your inner circle second, and then you talk about the success that we've had, you know, the numbers, the wins, the awards, you know, 20 points, 10 assists, what, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's that's how we practically teach it here at Kansas State. And so I have, we don't have a, a, a chaplain. Um, uh, I do hope to get a character coach in here in, in the near future, but I did personally have uh, pray and find a local pastor who is here for me, right? Because I knew that I needed somebody who was deep, um, had had some serious foundation to them to help guide me as a man through this process, okay? And keep me grounded and keep me focused on what's important. And uh, so Pastor uh, Sterling Hutchinson has been like, just, he's been my rock star this whole year and, and just helping me stay grounded and in the word and, you know, just, like just sharing what God is like, I, I'm talking about like, I would like have questions about things in prayer to God. And this joker would call me and say, can I come spend 15 minutes with you? And he's like hitting those points right on. This is what the word of God says. I mean, so I know that God has used him to help me grow this year and, and stay, stay grounded. Yeah. Coach, take us, uh, I, I first got to kind of know you through a, uh, is a Zoom call Bible study that we were having. Remember that? A yeah. bunch of coaches, yeah. Barkley Rideball kind of Barclay put it together. Yeah. yeah. But every time you spoke, you spoke with a lot of wisdom mm-hmm. and a, a lot of references uh, to Scripture and characters from the Bible. Share with us either a Scripture or a story or a character from the Bible that has really impacted you or, or impacts you right now or carried you through this first year. i just love to hear something that God has taught you recently through His written Word. Wow, that man, there's just so much, right? And um, but my favorite verse in the Bible is Psalms 37 4. It says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And um, it's and that verse tells me that um, not that God will give me the things that I want. But if I delight in him, my heart will be so geared towards him that the things that he brings to me are the things that that I desire. My desire then changes, right? And the example, the physical example that I use for me to understand is like when you go out and you mow the grass and it's hot and sweaty and, you know, and, and grass is sticking to you. And uh, in Waco, I had a pool in the backyard and, and you go dive in the pool. When you dive in the pool, all that sweat and grass and stickiness washes off of you. That's what my vision of delight in the Lord is. It's like just diving into that pool and just, you know, and and if you will do that with God, man, the desires of your heart, he he will bring to you and um not not selfish desires, but you'll you'll be so fulfilled. And so that that's my favorite verse and this year with our guys um I've used uh the story of Gideon uh, with them and, you know, how God um, 
called Gideon from a small tribe hiding in the bottom of a, a wine press where you're not supposed to be threshing wheat because there's no wind and, you know, and, and called him to be the leader for Israel and then took his army from 32 to uh, 22, then down to 300 and how he did that. And the 300 guys were guys who, you know, their eyes were focused up, their eyes were up because they brought the water to their mouth. Uh, their feet were ready. They had one one foot down, one foot up, ready. And and then their hands, were, they had one hand on the weapon, right? So the eyes, feet, and hands. And we we just talked about that, how we got to have our eyes focused on the right thing. We have got to have our feet ready to attack. And we got to have our, our hands on our weapon at all time. And um, I also used the story of David and Goliath, not because we were the underdog, but David actually had the advantage and explain to them how he had the advantage and why it was important. And, you know, so those are some things this year that we've used with the guys that have really helped me and I feel like has helped them as we went on this journey. Love it. All right. So now you got me all fired up because as a <laughs> it took undersized guard coach, as an undersized <laughs> guard, you had like my favorite player in college basketball this year who was very much a David and uh, people probably viewed him as an underdog, but there is no question he was not the underdog. He was the baddest dude on the court, and I don't think there was any part of him that viewed himself as an underdog other than probably just that chip on his shoulder to prove to people what a special talent he was. Please please tell us about, is it Marquise or Mar Marquise? Marquise, Mar Marquise? Marquise. Yeah. Tell, tell us about Marquise and... Um, just your relationship with him. I'd love to hear about the recruitment of him. He, he was at Little Rock, right? Um, he, was at, he was at Little Rock. He came to K-State the year before I got here. Yeah. So he was and one of the two He was yes. one of the two holdovers. in the gym last year. Yeah, okay. he was one of the two okay. holdovers. Him and Isma Sud. Yep. And uh, oh, I didn't know this, but when Bruce Weber got let go, uh, Marquis sent a text to um, Gene Taylor, our athletic director, and he told them, look, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be part of turning this program around and getting you know, back to winning. And then a little while later, he sent him two names of guys that he should look at as the head coach. And uh, one of them happened to be my name. Really? Because his brother had done some research and said, hey, if y'all, this is this is the guy they need to go after. And um, so and now back at Baylor. So and you I'm, didn't know him. I di I didn't know I didn't know him like that. But I okay. I, I scout. You know when you're scouting, sure right, you played against attention. him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. played against him twice. Yeah. Um, and I remember telling our staff that that young fella's a Baylor guard, right? Like mm -hmm. he can play for us. Um, the other thing is that I remember telling them that I thought pound for pound he was the toughest player in the Big Twelve. Yep. Because I watched him guard Kevin McCullough in the post and strip him two times and just wouldn't let him get position on him. And I was like, man, that's the toughest little joker in the Big 12. And so when I got here, that first talk with the team, he had great eye contact and he was nodding his head. And I just felt there was a heart connection there. So I didn't really have to recruit him. Like he was on board and both he and Ish were on board. And that was such a blessing that those two guys were on board. And uh, so when every, all the other guys left and those two were there, but you know, I, I'm just spending time with him. I remember telling him at lunch one time, <clears throat> excuse me, fellas. I said, Keith, we're going to do everything in our power to get you a team around you so you can play in the NCAA tournament. And he told me, he said, coach, 
oh, you, you just get five dudes and we're going to go to the NCAA tournament because Kimba Walker won a national championship with two sophomores and three freshmen or something. Yeah. Like he knew the numbers. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And his kind of faith and confidence, it just inspired us as a staff to want to work harder with him. And But I'm going to tell you this, the first through the summer and even the first few weeks of practice, maybe as far as into the third or fourth game of the season, um, I'm in my head, I'm comparing him to all the other point guards that I'd coached. And, and it's not going well because <laughs> it's not like we, we are we're we're button heads. Um, I'm trying to get him to see the game. I want the, the way I want him to see it. You know, he's trying to figure it out. And <clears throat> my staff kept telling me, coach, man, Keith loves you, man. He 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 wants to please you and you got you got to connect with him. Right. And I'm listening to Stephen Furtick do a message. And, and Pastor Furtick talks about how the prophet went to King Josiah, I believe it was. Josiah was sick on the bed, and the prophet told him, look, um, I want you to get up, get your bow, shoot an arrow. That arrow is going to give you victory over the enemy. And then after he did that, he handed him the, the other arrows and said, I want you to beat it on the ground, and that's going to determine your victory. And, and Josiah only hit the ground three times with it, and the prophet was upset with him. But what... Um, Coach Pastor Furtick said, he said, uh, I just want you to know that God wants you to know that that is your arrow and you need to shoot that arrow and stop looking at everybody else's arrow. And I mean, it was like something just pierced my heart that that's Marquise Noel. That is your arrow. You got to stop comparing him to other people and you got to trust him and you got to love him. And I brought him in my office the next day. It was the, the a game day. And I I got some anointing oil. I have some oil in my drawer and uh, I, I, I told him the story and I apologized to him and I prayed with him and I told him he was my arrow and I was not going to compare him to anybody else. You're the guy God gave me and we're going to win with you. And it just, I mean, it freed him up. I know that, but it really freed me up yeah. right, to like, let me see the game the way he sees the game. And and so that that lesson that God taught me and allowed me to to start trying to see the game the way he saw the game, it really helped propel the team and freed Keese up to go be the great guard that he is. And mm. I'm just telling you, I wouldn't trade him for anybody in the world. So, it's, Jimmy, if you don't mind me butting back in, what did you learn from seeing the game like he did? Like, what did he teach you that maybe the other great guards you've coached Well, didn't? there was, uh, he has a certain flair right? That if you take away that flair from him, it takes away his confidence. It takes away his edge. And he's only great when he can play with an edge. Now, a sharp edge can cut some things and cut you, right? And you had to live with the Knicks, right? In order to get the big cuts. And so that's that's what it taught me. I, if I, I was taking away his edge, by he's trying to please me by making two-handed passes and jump stopping every time yeah, and, that's not and all him. those things. That that wasn't him. Mm. That wasn't him. And I had to let him play with his edge and be that that guy out there. You know, just and we call it like uh, the difference between a lion and a tiger. The lion is the king of the jungle because it hunts in a pride and it shares everything it kills. Right. The tiger is bigger, faster, stronger, but it will only eat what it kills. Right. And so I had to tell, look. I need you to be alive. It doesn't share. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't share. share. The tiger no, it doesn't share. And it won't okay. eat anything that somebody else killed either. Mm. Right? It doesn't, doesn't feel right. So 
Uh, I needed him to be a lion for like 30 minutes of the game or 35 minutes of the game and then a tiger for five minutes of the game. Like I didn't need him to be a tiger the whole game. And so he learned it to see it that way for me. And I learned to allow him to be that tiger at certain times. So, you know, second half against Kentucky, it was like, bro, we need a tiger this whole second half, you know, yeah. <laughs> not yeah. the last five minutes. And and he he was, you know, and so it, it would, I, I just, I, and especially in this day, day and age with the transfer portal where you're bringing in older guys who have been well coached by other guys and they've learned the game from multiple coaches. They see things. As coaches, we have to be willing to open ourselves up to learn what they know and figure out how to mesh the whole thing because these guys have been doing this their whole life. Mm. Mm. Isn't that what the Davidson coach said a lot about Steph? Didn't Steph have like eight turnovers in like the first (laughs) half of his first game or something? And he was like, Yeah, against North Carolina. (laughs) They're living. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, yeah, this dude's different. I got to do something different with this guy. That's cool. Marquise is probably the best example I've seen in college ball in a long time of heart over height. Yeah. His heart, his heart was huge. For a yeah, you know, what, that, five eight, five nine. I've never seen him in person, but he's not a very big kid. <laughs> Last thing, Coach. I know you're you're busy uh, with everything going on. Um, what it had to take a lot of humility as a head coach to bring a guy in and say, I, I, "I've been wrong. I'm handling you." How, how did you get to that point in your heart? How did God speak to you about humility? Where, where does that word humility fit in with Jerome Tang? Man, it is huge in um, what I've seen from leaders, great leaders, and okay. what I what I'm I hope to be able to to be a part of who I am. Um, humility and transparency. Like I found with my staff, when I've been transparent about my shortcomings, and I'll give you an example. Um, we was on a little. I think we had lost three out of four games. Um, lost at Oklahoma. Um, clearly poor coaching decisions and how we prepared and just everything, right? Our guys were tired. Um, I was coaching too tight. And we're talking about it as a staff. And one of the guys on staff, Anthony Winchester, who's a brilliant young mind, um, great player at Western Kentucky. And he said, hey, coach, man, early in the year, we'd get the ball and you would be, go, you know, go, waving your hand. And now there's a lot of, Hold up, hold up. What is it for? Why? And initially, I was taken back by it. I was like, well, you know, we're playing tougher competition. We got to be more efficient in our yeah. half-court offense. Every possession and, matters know. now. Yeah, 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 all that all that stuff, right? And, yeah. uh, and I left the meeting, and I went home that evening. I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? They're right. He's right. And so I went into the meeting the next day. I said, fellas, I didn't like it. Aunt, I didn't like what you said uh, at the time, but you're right. I am. I'm the one that's that's stopping us from being great. And so we're going to be a whole lot more go and less hold it up and, you know, get us out in transition so we can play freer and our guys can play with freedom. And it's a word I used early. And then in the middle there, I didn't use it as much. And so I, from then on, it was we're going to play with love, joy and freedom. Right. Go be free to play the game. And it's OK to make mistakes. And and it turned our season. But the the transparency to say, you know, I made a mistake and, and it just builds credibility with sure. your players and, and the people on your staff. That's the gospel yeah. right there. Love, joy and freedom. It works in hoops. Love, joy and freedom. Yeah. It works in life. It's it, it, it's the, the truths of the gospel 
because there is no source of truth apart from it. It works in every vertical. Whether people are acknowledging that or not, right? it, 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 it works everywhere. Uh, accountability, humility, transparency, like, it's a beautiful thing when you see it on a big stage, yeah. Coach. Thanks for, thanks for yeah. modeling it so well. And your boldness has been a great example to many of us. And so grateful that uh, God gave you such a bright platform. And thanks for, thanks for sharing it with us. That last story on uh, humility and transparency, that, that sells everywhere as leaders of, a, of our home how important that is to come back to our wives or to our children and say, you know what? I, I was wrong how I handled that situation. And I appreciate your honesty with me. And Rick Barnes has a great story about his own daughter mm, confronting yep. him about, are you really going to be with us in heaven someday? So, uh, man, I, I appreciate your transparency. It's very obvious over the last 43 minutes why you're such a successful uh, first-year head coach. We'll have you back on again another time. I, I want to get into the whole story of, your 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 trial and your testing of your faith of waiting all those years to become a head coach. So many things we could have gotten into, um, but, but coach, you are a shining light to a college basketball world and to the world in general that that is searching for light. And I'm I'm so thankful that God has uh, lifted you up in His timing, and I I pray that He continues to do that, and I know He will. So uh, thank you so much. You knocked it out of the park for us, and. Uh, Go attack that transfer portal when you hang up on this Zoom call with us. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Chris, speaking writing a book, I think I wrote a book while Coach was speaking to us with all the stuff that he was giving us. Uh, did a great job of coaching us up on several things. I love the lesson about humility when he had to go back to his staff and say, you guys brought something to my attention yesterday. I didn't like it when I first heard it, but you're right. I, I've, I've been the issue right now in terms of how I'm handling my team and then his conversation with Marquise Noel to – call a player in and pray for him and say, man, accept my apology, how I've been handling you, and I need to free you back up. I love that word humility, and Coach understands it really, really well for the National Coach of the Year to be transparent. But I think that word humility only really resonates to its truest form, its highest level, uh, with the love of Jesus in your heart and the understanding of that word. And I, I, I just really appreciated Coach's honesty with that humility lesson for all of us. Yeah, and I think humility is directly tied to wisdom, right? I think of mm -hmm. James 1, 5, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask, and, and God will give that generously. Like, God is calling us to ask for wisdom, and the wisdom of, I don't know it all. Yep. I've got people around me that have a different lens than I have, and I've, I've, I've hired them to do something I need to at least take their counsel. That doesn't mean a head coach is going to follow every bit of advice he gets from an assistant coach, but at least have the right. humility and the wisdom to see where, you know what, they've got a point, right? And um, I know in my life, that's an ongoing process, but just that consistent prayer, Lord, mm -hmm. give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. I need wisdom. I'm a sinful, selfish, self-absorbed dude. I need wisdom to get out of my own bubble. Uh, we've had some good hum uh, humility lessons, right? Not thinking of yourself less, but or not thinking less of yourself, but of yourself less. And then, you know, Rick Barnes obviously talked a lot about it's not about me, Einem. Um, I loved Coach Tang's uh, WIN acronym, right? At Baylor, they do joy. At Kansas yep. State, they do WIN. Uh, why? What is your why? The, or excuse me, W, what is your why? I, 
who's your inner circle? Who do you allow to speak to you? Who do you hang with? Who sharpens you? Who speaks yep. into your life? And then the end, the numbers piece, like, hey, let's not deny the fact this game is a lot about numbers. Like We're trying to win. We're trying to win. Uh, you're yeah. trying to play well. You're trying to make a career for yourself, right? Like, And also, uh, he gave us just a little glimpse. And like you said at the end, we need to definitely have him back. But just the concept of the numbers of learning the game and the analytics around some of the numbers and you know, yeah. um, not that you have to be married to the numbers, but the numbers, the numbers matter. The numbers help. Uh, so anyway, I like that acronym. I thought that was really good. Yeah. He mentioned uh, one of his favorite verses, Psalm 37, 4. I want to read it for mm-hmm. us. De- Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I love how he explained that. It's not a, a genie in a bottle thing there. Delight yourself in the Lord. We just need to stop and break that down right there to begin with. You know, what does that really mean to delight yourself in the Lord? And that's all about spending time with Him, allowing His words to uh, to water our heart, as one of our guests recently put it. And when you do that and you grow closer daily, hourly, minute by minute, then the desires of your heart do align differently than what you probably had before you had a relationship with the Lord. And I love how Coach talked about that um, if you really uh, dwell on that verse and really allow God to speak to you about what that verse really means, the power of that verse to delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart, uh, that plays out in a lot of ways. And it, I, I think I think it does play out in blessings that we can visibly see, like an Elite Eight run and National Coach of the Year. I think it plays out in those ways. I think it also plays out in in other ways of our hearts desiring different things and and God giving God the uh, the, the right is probably not the correct way to say it but giving God the right to steer our heart to me is what that verse is about. Mm. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I no, that, that was one of the first pieces of scripture I ever committed to memory myself. So it, was, it, it delighted me to hear him uh, give that. Yeah. I love how he described it. Uh, diving into a cool pool on a hot day, mm-hmm. uh, you know, delighting yourself in the Lord. Uh, God is a good, good father, and he wants yes, to give us good gifts. And when we delight ourselves in him, uh, there's always good fruit in that. Now, it might not be bright and shiny, but it might yeah. be. It, it might yeah. be, right? And sometimes the things that are bright and shiny actually end up being things that take us a different path. So you just never know. But one thing is certain uh, God will give us the desires of our heart. He also will change our heart to align with his desires. And so that's kind of a circular deal. Um, I really enjoyed, um, you talk about his humility, the humility of uh, a major college division one basketball coach that is in, that is entrusted with um, leading these young men, talking about all the different ways he coached Bible quiz teams. <laughs> like, it's just like, yeah. and we were really good. We were nationally ranked. Like, I mean, I'm just like, like he's talking about that. Like most people would talk about their war stories on the sporting realm, you know? Right. Uh, sure. And that's why I would just, he was talking about, and he's right. He's just right in that he was learning how to lead young people. It was Bible quiz team, whatever that is even called, right? But like, mm-hmm. it's the same stuff. How do you, how do I, here's our goal. This is how we're going to get better at it. 
and I need to get the best out of y'all to accomplish what our goals are, right? Now, yeah, it's coaching. It, it's coaching. And he was cutting yeah. his teeth as a coach in Bible quiz like Sunday. It's, I just, I, I would say that's a one of one story in major college basketball. What do you think? No, no, I, yeah, I agree. And so <laughs> I, I, I will, I, we'll wrap it up with this today. Uh, what, so what does that mean to all of us? I think the the thirty thousand foot view of that story is uh, trust where God has you. Don't get your eyes in 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 the comparison mode of I'm only a Bible quiz coach wanting to be a head Division one mm. basketball coach mm. someday. Trust where your feet are. Star where you are. Trust God's timing and path for your life. Uh, and I think that's exactly how it has played out for Jerome Tang. He didn't jump ahead of God in all the stuff that he went through. All this, all the. I love how you asked the question of filling the gap here because yeah. there's a lot of stuff there. But he, he, to me, he never was not content. He never was not trusting. He just continued on the the path that God had for him, uh, and he and that therefore he becomes a 19 year assistant at Baylor. And didn't jump, didn't jump out on his own, didn't get ahead of God. As a result, his patience, his trust, his faith is rewarded as the National Coach of the Year in his first year. So I think there's a big lesson there for all of us to trust where God has you, knowing that he has you on uh, his path for you and might be different than uh, your, your, Jimmy Dykes' path is different than Chris Burke's or Jared Fincher, our producer. Yes, and I would say that the— the model of that was is not only displayed in his life, but then in Mike Allard's life, the youth pastor that poured and poured and poured into him. Yeah. And at our church, we have a big push right now for men to invest in the youth ministry. Like we need, we've got a huge church. We need helpers. Like we need people on Sundays, especially to help with children's ministry. Like, and I just mm -hmm. think to myself, what a beautiful story about a man who's just faithful as a youth pastor. And I'm sure there's millions of other success stories that have come out of that youth ministry, right? We just hear the one right. of the famous basketball yeah. coach. But what a great uh, example of just being faithful where God's called you to and planting seeds, letting God do the watering. Uh, yep. And I, I just, I find that just a beautiful story of um, discipleship and how that can have a huge impact at a young person's life. So for all those listening to us, like there is no job too small. There is no influence too little. Like if you're, if you have a chance to influence young people, man, go for it in whatever yeah. capacity that is. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we thank you for our time today with uh, Jerome Tang. Father, thank you for your uh, faithfulness to him, for the success that you've brought him. I can ask you to continue to bless him and you raise him up as he points people towards you. We thank you for the lessons that we learned this morning, being coached up by one of the best at what he does. And Father, we continue to thank you for our podcast. We thank you for our sponsors, for OneCountry.com, for ConnectSeal.com, for Blue Delta Jeans. Father, we thank you for their investment in us. We thank you for their investment in people. God, we love you. We uh, just thank you for the lesson that we were taught today. May we take them to heart and and actually put them into uh, practice in our in our life we thank you for our time today we ask all this in the name of jesus amen amen 
Chris, I will see you soon. You and I are going to yeah. golf together yeah. today, on April the 28th. Today is the first time match. I've hit a golf ball since September 12th. So my comeback tour starts today. I got to get ready for you. Okay. So, All right. I got my golf shirt on and everything. It better be game on because on April 28th, we're not playing just for a diet. Okay, coat. fair enough. I need to go <laughs> practice. <laughs> Till next time, thanks for joining us.